and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we're into the 3 o'clock hour here on the Burns and Gambo Show on this Tuesday. If you had the three-day weekend, I hope you enjoyed the three-day weekend. If you didn't, happy Tuesday to you. I'm sorry, we did. We enjoyed it. At least I did. I don't know about you, but I, you know, I very much enjoyed the I, I used to weekend. not like him as much, but now I'm like, you know, I'm all for it now. Yeah, you're older, you're wiser. You older and wiser, it. yes. Not working all the time is not necessarily a bad thing. When I was yes. younger, I was like, oh, I want to just... But now it's like, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, take it. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals made it official today. Uh, Eric just alluded to it a second ago. They've officially announced the hiring of Drew Petzing as their offensive coordinator. They've announced that Jeff Rogers will return to the team as assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. And then that Nick Rallis is going to be the defensive coordinator. Nick Rallis is, it, it's funny in a way. I know we've put all of this emphasis on Petsing, right? Petsing, yeah. he's Kyler and the offense. You got to fix Kyler. In some ways, if you're just going from stories, okay. Nick Rallis is almost a more interesting story because than Drew age, Petsing. Because of his age? Because he's so young. He's in his 20s. He's a, he's, he he's, was in his 20s. He played college football with Max Williams. Yeah. Max Williams congratulated him on getting the job. It's not like Max Williams is some grizzled veteran who's been playing in the NFL for 15 years, right? He played college football with Max Williams. He's a kid. He's a 29. And I say that with all due respect. I don't mean it disrespectfully. He is awfully young to be a coordinator in the NFL. And that makes him a fascinating story. Tom Palacero said multiple teams attempted to hire him before the Cardinals that, made their offer. Honestly, that's the other interesting part yes. about this. So it, he must be a young, on-the-rise guy that a lot of people think, hey, this guy's going to be a great coach. He's young, and he was in demand. And, yep. and probably helped out by the fact that Jonathan Gannon was basically his former boss with the Eagles. If he truly was in as as much demand as everyone suggested that multiple teams called and and all of this stuff was going down, that there must be something there. Now, you you look at it and the the thing about the Cardinals coaching staff in general. Okay, Jonathan Gannon is 40 years, one month old. Petzing is 35 years, 11 months old. Nick Rallis is 29 years, seven months old. Yeah. Peter King writes, it has to be one of the youngest trios or maybe the youngest in the history of the NFL. Head coach OCDC, there might not be a younger trifecta of coaches in the history of the league than the Cardinals have right now. There is a, a real trend towards you know younger coaches. I mean, Sean McVay is 36, and Kevin O'Connell's in his 30s, and Shane Steichert's in his 30s, and D'Amico Ryans is in his 30s. Mike McDaniel and Zach Taylor are both in their 30s. Brandon Staley's in his 30s. So there are a lot of coaches. I mean, it's not like, you know, they, they there's only a few of the, you know, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, those guys that are those older coaches. It is a trend towards younger coaches. Now, the reasoning, I don't know. Um, you know, these, 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 it's a great job. And I think a lot of people realize you can make a lot of money being a coach in this league. You make a lot of money being a coordinator in this league. It's a much more, um, important job and a job that guys look at and they target at a younger age. So I think that could be why. And then the other thing could be, and then you know, you want to get on that fast track to be an NFL head coach. The other thing could be just the re- the relation, like the, you know, relating to younger players. Mm-hmm. Now it works for Pete Carroll, it works for Bill Belichick, but it could be something about getting these younger guys and it's easier to relate to the current players of today. And, ke- and keep in mind, I'm not even saying it's a bad thing necessarily by pointing out how young they are, just that it's, it's is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing? I 
I don't know. It's just a thing. It's just there, there's a lot of youth there. Some and, is good. Some is bad. And, and I mean, you know me. One of the things I was really advocating for was for the Cardinals to hire a head coach who had previous head coaching experience. Yeah. You know, and instead it feels like the pendulum is way swung over oh, to the other young. side. It's a young staff. Where it's, it's such a young staff. Now Petsing's been around this league for a while. Gannon, we chronicled that last week. He's been around. That he might be young, but he's been in the league years for of experience. fifteen years, right? Yeah. I mean, so they're young, but they've been around football. Now, you know, Nick Rallis is a little different. He hasn't been around the game as much as a coach, but it is a little different. Now, the, the questions for a new defensive coordinator, of course, probably number one, given that he's got a defensive-minded head coach with a D.C.'s background, who calls the plays? Right. We don't know the answer. Right. That's probably one of the main questions that we're going to want to have answered. And then number two, you know, we're still talking about Isaiah Simmons. We're still talking about Zaven Collins. We're still talking about these young first-round picks, the Byron Murphys, which has had a conversation about him a minute ago. These young players who need to become impact players for the Cardinals. Is Nick Rallis the right guy to get them to that level? And of course, I think we're all especially thinking about Zaven Collins and Isaiah Simmons, given that they're both high first-round draft picks who yeah. need to hit. Listen, I think it's a lot easier to fix the defense first than, than the offense. You know, there's things you could do, schemes you could do. There's, there's ways. I mean, look at Philly and their ability to pressure the, the quarterback last year with the four guys that had, you know, over 10 sacks and they were, they're just two and a half sacks away from the NFL record. But you're right. There is a lot of inventory. You know, you mentioned Byron Murphy. What about Zach Allen? What about the two pass rushers they just drafted in Cameron Thomas and Majai Sanders, uh, outside of Simmons and Zabin? There's a lot of good, talented players on this team and you want to try to get the most out of them. Now, obviously, they need to, you know, they need to get some free agents in there that can yeah. come help, and they they're going to have a very high draft pick. Which it seems like if they kept that pick, it's it's almost impossible that it's not going to be a defensive player to add to their mix. But I do think that defense is where it works. I it is the dynamic between Gannon and uh, and Rallis is going to be interesting because I just you don't know who's going to call the plays. But at 29 years old, it might be where Gannon starts it off, but then transitions to him at some point. This morning on Wolf and Luke, Dave. Spadaro, he covers the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a guest on their show, and he thinks that Gannon and Rallis are basically joined at the hip. I'll let him explain. Nick is going to be a head coach someday. He's a rising star. You're right. He and Jonathan are joined at the hip. They will communicate the defense very well to the players. Uh, they will be coordinated. Uh, that is part of the game. You will not see the Cardinals giving up uh, big plays. You will not see the defense giving up plays over the top. Um, what they need to do is improve their pass rush. They need to stop the run. Uh, there are pieces of place in Arizona, and I think that Cardinal fans should feel really good about the combination of Jonathan and Nick together. And, and you referenced it, and let's kind of lean into it now a little bit. Now, with so many of those Eagles players set to become free agents, right? And, and, and I mean, two stories today kind of caught my eye in that regard. There was a story today on ESPN.com in which they looked at the top 50 available players and where the best fits were for them. James Bradbury, cornerback from the Philadelphia Eagles, they listed the Arizona Cardinals yeah. as being the best fit for him. And then there was another one, and this tweet came from Matt Lombardo, who writes, as free agency nears, TJ Edwards is a rising star at linebacker, should have multiple suitors. The Cardinals make a lot of sense. With head coach Jonathan Gannon and D.C. Nick Rallis in place, Edwards could anchor Arizona's defense. Get ready. Free agency's still a month away. You are going to see a lot of connections between Eagles defensive players and the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know how many of them hit 
hit the market because the Eagles can start to re-sign some of them. 18 who are going to hit the market right now. It's projected that 18 are going to hit the market. Some could return. They The, the contracts of four Eagles players were voided yesterday. James Bradbury and TJ Edwards are two of those guys. Javon Hargrave and Kazir White are the others. That The dead money in those deals... It's a lot. It's a lot of dead money. $18.8 million in dead money after they voided those contracts. And James Bradbury and TJ Edwards are two of those guys yep. who had their contracts voided, and that's $18, must, $18 million in dead money for Philly. Now, some of these guys, I would assume, come back. I mean, Gardner Johnson, I would assume, Great comes player. back. He's yep. such a good player. I don't think he hits the market. I don't think he's available. Fletcher Cox. Even though he's 32, I don't think he becomes available. He's such an important part for what the Eagles do defensively. Here's my concern with Bradbury. Is this comment. I think my stats show that I should be a top dollar guy, he said, after the Super Bowl. And that's, and and you, that's and where you, you got to And you worry. made a really good point earlier when we were talking about this. I don't know if the Cardinals are in a position right now to go spending top, top dollar when the expectation is they might not be good for a year, you know, in a year from now. Yeah, I, I, or I, don't, I don't know if that's money well spent on a position where, I mean, I know you want to turn this thing around quickly, but you also don't want to do anything foolish with your cap. I think a lot of us thought this year was going to be kind of a reset year with the cap. I don't know if you want to go signing Bradbury to it. I mean, he took what, a, if I remember right, a one-year deal? With the Eagles coming off of the Giants, and he was a late signing, if I remember. I remember thinking the Cardinals should be interested in him. I I could be remembering it wrong, but I think that's how it went down with him over the summer. He did. He's going to want to get paid. He's going to want to get paid a lot. He's going to get paid a lot. I, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if the Cardinals should no. be the one paying I, him that I'll, money. I'll pay that money for somebody 25. I'm not going to pay somebody that, that at 30 when I'm not going to win this year. He goes, I think I deserve top dollar just about of who's out there willing to pay it at the end of the day. His mindset is on getting paid. That's his mindset. And I, I don't blame him. I mean, that's what it should. Like, that should be a part of it. But again, at his age, at 30, those cornerbacks, you know this, by 30, 30, 31, 32, you're on the downward slope as a cornerback in this league. The 35th annual Arizona Renaissance Festival has begun. It lasts each weekend until April 3rd. We're giving you the chance to win a family four-pack of tickets. Visit the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Luxury tax. Matt Ishbia isn't worried about no stinking luxury tax. He'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's hard not to smile a little bit if you're a Suns fan and you read this interview with Matt Ishbia. It's hard not to smile a lot, honestly. When, when I read this story on Sports Illustrated, um, a one-on-one, I think it was Chris Mannix, who's been a longtime NBA writer with them, also writes about boxing, if I'm not mistaken, for Sports Illustrated. Not that that matters. Um, he did a one-on-one with Matt Ishbia. And um, in the one clear, crystal clear takeaway from this article is apparently Matt Ishbia does not care about the luxury tax at all when it comes and you just I just I'm watching you and you're smiling about it you're yeah. laughing about it um then okay, here's the question from SI the Nets and the Suns talked to Rant last summer they couldn't get a deal done it sure seems like you were the reason it did answer well I don't know about all the talks from the summer I just know my conversations with Joe Sy and James and Sean Marks it was not months 
It was days and hours to put the deal together. I am obviously a different variable, and obviously I had to understand the luxury tax and understand what that is. And that was about four or five seconds of the conversation because that was not a discussion. We're going to do what it takes to win and be successful. I believe business money follows success, not the other way around. We'll make money. I promise we'll make money. <laughs> Close quote. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I mean, that that was a great comment. I had to understand the luxury tax and what that is. I had to understand it because the luxury tax is a very complicated formula that every, you know, once you go over the luxury tax, every time you go over it by $5 million, it triggers another level. And it's dollar for dollar, okay? So you spend ten million on a player. You now you're gonna cost, it's gonna cost you ten million. Well, okay, now you now. But if you go to another level, that ten million could cost you fifteen million. That ten million could cost you twenty million. Yep. And you could get to the point where you're paying like four times what a player's worth. Hey, a ten million dollar player is costing you forty million dollars on the tax because you're just in a different you know tax range because you're so high above it now. So that's where the NBA has really triggered that to make sure the teams don't want to go there because you know. They, because that's how you look at it. By adding one player that's $10 million, you're really paying $40 million for that player. He's not a $40 million player, but you're already in a situation where, you know, so $10 million becomes 30, 40. And so he had to understand that. And then there's the, you know, the, you know if you're a, a, a repeat taxpayer, the, the issues that you could get into. So he really had to understand what it was. And in the end, he said, screw it. Just, I don't care. Let's yeah. just go, let's go get him. And I don't want to suggest for a second, because I, I don't know, Matt. I mean, we, we, we haven't even had him on the show yet. I don't want to assume that this is a blank check scenario. I don't want to assume that whatever the Suns want, he's just going to write a check and they're going to be able to go get it. I mean, they're just about every person has their limits financially at some point. Even the richest among us at some point say, yeah, that's a little too rich for my blood. But the, the comments that he makes when we, well, let's put it this way, when, when Robert Sarver announced he was selling the team and, and we weren't sure who was going to come in and take it over, I think what we had hoped was that it was going to be an owner with deep pockets and the willingness to go deep into them to make things happen. Happen. It was going to be a Steve Ballmer situation with the Clippers. It was going to be a Joe Lacob situation with the Warriors. It was going to be an owner who was more than yeah. happy to go deep in the tax. And they're repeat offenders. Those yeah, teams absolutely. that you just mentioned, the repeat offenders, if you're three times in four years, you've got a payroll that exceeds the tax line. That's the Clippers and the Warriors. Yeah, he, he went on to say the financial piece of the Kevin Durant trade was five seconds. They know I'm ready. That doesn't bother me. Now let's talk about is this the right thing for the Phoenix Suns organization, and I think we quickly figured out that it was. Here's another one. Question from Sports Illustrated. How risky is this deal? Answer, quote, I think there is no risk. I don't look wow. at it as a risk at all. That's incredible. I look at it as a vision and a decision. And you go with your decisions and you run with it. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out or that we're going to win multiple championships. But is it at risk? Huh? If it doesn't work out. So isn't that the risk involved? Yeah, but was it, was it ultimately... Hey, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. We had to try. That that's how I look at it. If it if it doesn't happen, it doesn't. Yeah, there's a risk, but they're not going to sit there and say, "Oh, you know what? We shouldn't have done that. Man, what a mistake. We should have kept Mikel. We should have kept Cam." Now we're going to go for it. And if we don't get it, we're not going to apologize for going for it. We're not going to be upset with ourselves. But that's for going the risk. For the it. risk is not getting it. 
Of course. And then you will get second-guessed on trading those guys in the draft picks. And what if there's a devastating injury? What if Paul and Durant get old and Booker gets hurt, and in one year you've got the first pick in the draft or the second pick in the draft because of the lottery, and that pick goes to the Nets? You're not thinking about that now, but that could happen. And if that happens, that would really suck it, if the Suns don't win a championship. It, uh, none of that is wrong. I just think it sounds like, from Matt's standpoint, what he's saying is, I won't regret having done this. Even if it all goes sideways. Even if none of it works out the way we wanted to. I wouldn't have changed the thing. I wouldn't do anything differently. Everything, I, I would do it again because you have to take that swing. And I love that. Yeah. I, I, of course, there's risk, but I don't think he's going to let, you know, like if something goes sideways with this and people say, he told you so, should have done I don't think he's an I told you so guy. I think he's going to be, hey, look, we tried. But we is he in for a rude awakening? By that, I mean this. Like this, this guy sounds great. Okay, he sounds great. I'm a winner in everything I do. We win. We have the best mortgage. We're just going to win. He says... This is not about just winning this year. We're going to win again in 27 and 29 and 31. Like, how do you know that? Like, how do you like, come on. That's what I'm saying. Is he in for, like, this is hard. It's hard to win. Like, it's hard to win. Players age out. Hard to get star players. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, he is, you got to love his passion, his enthusiasm. We're going to win. We're just going to win every year. What about the years you give up? We're going to win those years, too. Every year we're giving up those draft picks. We're going to win those years. You don't have those draft picks. Yeah. Durant's going to be gone. Paul's going to be gone. You get to 27, 29, and 31, and he mentioned those years. You start you start to get to those years. It's like, how do you know? You You know, it's great that you want to win, but he says, we're going to win. Like I said, might be in for a rude awakening. Yeah, well, this is a hard the end of the quote. Uh, he said, you can't always do it. Like, you can't always win, but you're always going to try. So I don't think it's necessarily him proclaiming they're going to be a four-time NBA champion. We're going to win that- again in 20... 20- I think he's just saying we're not going to be a, a bad team. We're always going to win. Always going to try. I think that's his main thing is we're always going to try to do it. Yeah, and for people, that's that's a different, you know, trying to win is a different thing. I mean, I, I think <laughs> he thinks he's going to try to win every single year. I do think, to your point, he's going to find out that it's going to be a little harder than he says. But strategically, there are teams that figure that the best way to win is by losing. This is the NBA this is great players in the draft. There does come a time where so, you know trying to win is about losing basketball games to get a better draft pick. Okay, but I, I can't imagine you would rather he do that when he steps in here than what he's done. No, I'm saying down the road. Okay, I'm looking because at, I'm looking at say say okay twenty 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 seven twenty eight twenty nine. You know when you get to those years. There might you might want to take it on a chin for a year if there's a great draft class coming up and your players have. Why do I want? Because Jerry Colangelo did this, and I honestly believe it's one of the worst decisions he ever made. After the success that he had, the success with the Barkley, Marley, and those guys, do you remember when he went out and got Tony Delk and Rodney Rogers? Oh, sure. He tried to sustain it. He tried to. And what were they? They were the eighth seed. It felt like every year. Every single year felt like they're the eighth seed. But to my point, to my point, you'd rather be worse. You'd rather be worse. I understand. And I I understand the point you're making. I'm just saying that in the here and the now, I mean, this truly is a buy now, pay later situation. I don't care about later. I don't. But he's talking about later. That's why I'm bringing it up. He's He's talking talking about about later. He can't know. He he can't know for sure what challenges await him five years down the road, four years down the road, when he doesn't have draft picks and when his two older stars. But I I don't. And I understand he's talking about that. I I don't. This is this is the only play for him right now. This was the only thing to do. I mean, this is not L.A. 
This is not L.A. Well, the Suns have also never had a guy who's got a net worth of $5.5 billion who've owned him either. You know, it's 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 not Los Angeles, but never before in the history of the Phoenix Suns have they had an owner with that kind of a bankroll. I mean, he's... Well, are there several owners? There's a lot of owners you, that have that kind okay, of a bankroll. Okay, so you're, you're coming to me with a counter on this. Like, every, do you regret anything that's happened? Anything that he's done? Do you wish he hadn't done anything? You're painting this very cautionary tale about him. And I'm just curious, are you regretful of the things he's done so far or wishing he hadn't? Well, my points have nothing to do with the now. Nothing to do with the now. You're you're all in on Kevin Durant. Go for it. Win. Win a championship. Okay. You've never had one. It would be amazing if we could win. I want the Suns to win. So I get like I'm, you know, you're all in on window number one. Now, you know me, I did love window number two quite a bit. Well, and that's what I'm wondering is if you're you're kind of putting your feelings of window two into no. this conversation no, a little bit because not, I know you are a big window two guy. But the, what I'm talking about is actually like window three. <laughs> what he's saying, oh, this well. is not about winning this year. We're going to win again in 27, 29. And 31. 29 is six years from six years from now. 31 is eight years from now. My point is that there does come a time when strategically when you need, you know, you need to reset. You need to take your lumps for a little bit, reset, get, you know, acquire some draft picks and trade off some players for assets. You know, you may come, there may come a time when you want to trade some good players you have to get first round picks to develop assets for the future. I'm just saying that. That you, you, I don't think what he's saying is realistic. We're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win all the time. We're always going to go. We're always going to try to win. No, sometimes strategically you want to lose. When we come back on the Burns and Yambo show, of all the mock drafts we've seen so far, this one is the most unique. You're going to want to hear it next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Cruising right along on this Tuesday afternoon here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. The Arizona Cardinals did make it official about an hour ago, 45 minutes ago or so. Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator, Nick Rollis, defensive coordinator, Jeff Rogers, will return to the team as assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. Now comes along the business of figuring out the roster. I mean, there are, of course, there are other coaches to hire, obviously. They've got a whole staff to fill out, I imagine. That'll be first, but... Free agency is less than a month away. I think we're sitting at about three weeks away, three and a half weeks away from free agency starting in the NFL. Then the draft is the end of April. How the Cardinals build this roster, what their expectations are of that roster going into a season, which a lot of people think it's going to be kind of a rebuild, is going to be one of the big things. And of course, the draft, the number three pick in the draft. And um, Gambo, I didn't think I'd, I, I clicked on it. And honestly, I wasn't even going to include my email until I saw the name next to the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, it's, it was well, like we look at mock drafts around this time of the year, especially yeah. when you pick it. Third overall. I clicked on it just assuming it was going to be another, you know, either the Cardinals trade out. There's only two guys that have been tied to them. Or they take Jalen. Anderson or Carter. That's it. Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, or trade out. That's it. That's it. Those are the only. Two names in one trade. You not, found something different. Not now. You, did you search high and far for this? No, I didn't. You know, honestly, this was an high easy find or? because one, it was on NFL.com, which okay. I check every day, and number two, this is going to. I like this guy. I don't mean the player. I mean the guy doing the mock draft. I okay. like him. He's he's one of my favorite kind of insiders over at NFL Network. So I'm fascinated that he's got the Cardinals taking Tyree Wilson. Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel Jeremiah. Former NFL scout. Mm-hmm. He's a personality over at NFL Network. He's always been kind of one of my favorite information guys over there. 
He has Will Anderson going to the Seahawks at number five. He's got Tyree Wilson, edge rusher out of Texas Tech, going to the Cardinals at number three. And he writes, wow. first edge rushers off the board over Will Anderson Jr. There's a lot of love for Wilson around the league. His combination of size, length, and production has teams very intrigued. Okay. I mean... That's the first time we've seen. Look, the size is incredible. 6'6", 275. You look at just the stats. 14 tackles for a loss, 7 sacks, 1 forced fumble, 1 fumble recovery. Started his career at A&M, found success at Texas Tech, uh, and now he's in the draft. He was only a th- he was a three-star prospect out of high school, signed with Texas A&M at one year there, didn't do so well, transferred to Texas Tech, and then, you know, got better and, and improved. And he's, you know, he's prototypical size for an edge rusher with, you know, 6'6", 275, um, really good length, which is important for rushers, and then strong, just sets him apart. And they think that that strength sets him apart from a lot of these other edge rushers. Yeah. So just a real fascinating name because we've really been ultra-focused on if they're going to pick take that pick. They're either taking Anderson or they're taking Carter. And look, the production of Will Anderson Jr. at one of the premier programs in America, it is it's just so hard to ignore that, right? It's so, so hard to skip over that. Now, for what it's worth, I was tooling around on Twitter this morning and I saw a tweet from Pete Prisco, NFL insider for CBS. He's been doing it a long time. Now, he wasn't talking about the Cardinals specifically and I didn't include this in my email to you, so I apologize for springing this on mm-hmm. you. Go ahead. But he said, look, th- people who are comparison comparing Will Anderson to Vaughn Miller, uh-uh. There's there's a whole... He doesn't have the length of Vaughn Miller. He doesn't have the off-the-ball quicks of Vaughn Miller. He's... like That's the easy comp to make, is that Will Anderson Jr. is the next Vaughn Miller. Here's one guy, Pete Prisco, who's, again, another guy I kind of respect, who's saying, yeah, Will Anderson is not Vaughn Miller. He's, he's not quite that type if you watch the tape. This is one of those things I don't know. Like We're still two months away from the draft. Do you overthink it? You know, do you start, does the tape, what oh, Steve Kime used to say, right? Like you you see great things in the fall and then you kind of talk yourself out of them in the spring because you start thinking looking about it. Looking for reasons not to take right. that guy. Yeah, You're looking for reasons not to take him. And I, and I wonder if something like that could happen with the Cardinals sitting at three because it was I, thought to be a no-brainer for I, them. I looked at the uh, draft pro- profile on, on Tyree Wilson, his strengths, and they talk about his strengths, but then they go into like his weaknesses. And they said he needs to add more pass rush moves to his skill set and have a better pass rush plan to see more production. He mostly wins because of his power. Adding more moves will make him tougher to block. He could also add more counter moves and be more prepared to battle offensive linemen when they stop his initial rush. Um, it says he doesn't win with speed or the ability to bend around the edge. When he tries to bend, he could lose balance or his pad level will be too high. He's actually more of a fit to rush from the interior because of this. Okay, that kind of scares me off a little bit. And it says some defensive linemen are able to show a good burst at the snap of the football, but Wilson only sporadically shows that. And they projected him as a top 15 pick. Top 15 pick in this draft profile. Um and now you're saying he you know, he's got Daniel Jeremiah's got him third overall. So where like where did he make this incredible jump? Yeah, I, and to me, hearing you read off that scouting report mm, yeah. is and Daniel Jeremiah, he's looking at it from the eyes of a scout. He's not thinking about. He doesn't have sources. At least I don't think he does. Hearing a name like this associated with the Cardinals, all I can think of is trade down. 
Like if the Cardinals really do like him that much, and I'm not saying they do, just trade down Jeremiah's six, seven, you'll get him there. Yep, trade down yep. six or seven, pick yep. up an extra whatever, pick up a bunch of extra whatevers. If the Cardinals really like him that much, trade down and get a whole bunch of picks, and you could still get him if you wanted to. I think so. Like I think that's a guy you could probably get. Like you know, I know the uh, I was reading the uh, the Raiders guy in the Las Vegas Review. We've had him on Vincent Bonsignor. He he's got the Raiders taking him seventh okay. overall. So I think you can, you know, maybe that's a team that's eyeing him. So could you move down to four, five, six and still get him? Probably. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's other ways, obviously, to build the roster, and one of them includes uh, a DeAndre Hopkins potential trade. We've been talking about this for a while now, dating back to the end of last season. Yeah, we, we actually put, we had on our, our page, we had a thing last week on Hopkins. I think Eric does a really good job on our Twitter page of like taking stuff that we talk about and then turning it into a, a topic. Last week there was one on there was one on Hopkins. Com- yeah. yeah, a conversation you and I had about DeAndre Hopkins in which we were both on the same page. Uh-huh. Trade him, right? Trade and him. a lot of people, oh, a, a lot, lot of people, people were like, "Hell no!" Thought we were off. He's on your rocker, right? He's so, your so, best pass route, your best receiver. Like people were like really. Like, upset with that. Yeah, no, and it's, I want to give credit to both guys because Eric and Mitch do a really good job of kind of identifying these like 90 second little segments within our segments. Right. And posting it on Twitter and and people who maybe don't listen to the show, but they want to catch like the best parts, if you will. Man, I noticed the same thing all weekend long. Just comment after, you guys are nuts. You guys are crazy. He's your best player. Why would you want to get rid of him? The reason I see to keep him is he's our best player. Yeah, I, I mean, I got tons of messages about that. I still think you should try. Trade him. To me, it's a no-brainer. Trade DeAndre Hopkins. I think yeah. you feel the same way about it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Five, I mean, f- I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, go ahead. No, I just I totally agree. Get an asset for him. He's an older player with a lot of money on his contract. Five NFL trades to watch out for in the 2023 NFL offseason. This is according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, suggestions, not reporting. Suggestions. Cardinals trade DeAndre Hopkins to the New York Giants, and they would get a second and a fifth this year. Done. 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 Where can I sign up for that? Yep. You give me two picks? Bring it up. I get a second round, a giant second round is late, later because they were a playoff team. But I still get a decent second round pick, and I get a fifth round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, and I get away, I get off of that money, and I, you know, I, I, I move a 30 something, you know, 30 year old player for somebody, for two players that are younger. I do it. He gives me five picks in the top 96, I think, and the freedom to just move around and if you're all over Austin the board Ford, if you want. You're Monty Austin Ford, you get those extra picks. I mean, it's you, you know, you're, you're, you're working 24 7 right now to make sure you have a great draft. So I would love to give him that extra inventory. Text us your thoughts, especially if you think Gambo and I are off our rocker like a bunch of people on Twitter did about DeAndre yeah, Hopkins. I love Hop. Text us at. It's the FanDuel text line, 620-620 right now. Is the bubble burst for ASU basketball? And what about their head coach? Is he going to pay for it? We'll talk about that coming up right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader.
Bobby Hurley this morning on Newsmakers Week. I feel like, you know, we, we, we're contenders in our league. You know, right now we're sitting in fourth place. Uh, we're in the top tier of the conference. We uh, we certainly have some work to do with these games, and I, and I, I think that will, you know, determine, you know, where where we finish. And uh, uh, I'm not as much looking at, at my future as I am just trying to do the best I can for these kids. And, you know, we had a packed house on senior days. There's a lot of guys here that want to play in the NCAA tournament, and and it's and it's going to be hinged on how we how we finish the next few weeks, and that's all I'm thinking about. Yeah, listen, he, I, I totally believe him. I mean, he is. He's trying to best. He's trying to best to get. He did a pretty good job with the with the transfer portal, bringing in players. But you know, this weekend they they needed to win two, and they split. They they lost to Colorado at home. Colorado was a team that that, that had a terrible road record. They don't usually win. You know, they had that uh, that miserable trip where they lost to Washington and Washington State on the road in late January. They they lost the game at home against Oregon. Like these, they, they didn't play a good non-conference schedule. Like, they didn't play anybody that good. They, they have a win over Creighton, but they did lose to San Francisco, and they had that that other loss, which was uh, Texas Southern. But they didn't play that tough of a schedule. They had a win over Michigan that looked good early, but Michigan's not that good. So to me, it's about getting his teams to the NCAA tournament. Like, right, that's what you're going to be judged on ultimately. And you know, barring a miracle finish, Arizona State's not getting to the NCAA tournament. No, it, it's going to take. Okay, they don't. They don't play until Saturday when they take on Arizona. They're they're at that gauntlet now to end the regular season. They're at Arizona. They're at UCLA. They're at USC. I don't know if they can win any of those. And games. I don't know if they can. And and at this point, I mean, truly, the only path for ASU basketball to get into the tournament is to win the Pac-12 tournament. That's, that's the only way they're going to get in. I mean, unless they sweep those three games, and maybe right. they can get well, themselves not, back on the cut line. They're but, not winning in McHale, okay? They're not winning there. They're not going to win at UCLA. The only chance they have... What, what Mitch, what? <laughs> Do you think you're going to go to Tucson and beat that team? No, he doesn't. He just likes flashing okay. the, the fork. Because that's not happening. Like you're not gonna, That's the, one of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball. No, to me, the Big 12 is going to love U of A when they get there. The bigger issue isn't whether ASU is going to get in or not. They're not. The big issue is if ASU is going to do anything about it at the end of the season. Now, as part of Newsmakers Week, again, and, and Bickley and Murata kind of pushed Bobby Hurley about this a little bit today. Um, do you feel like you're going to be around at the end of the season? I love it here. I, um, I've, I've said that. My, uh, I've had two kids go to ASU. I feel like Arizona feels like home to me, even though I'm from the East Coast. Uh, I've built a life out here. But uh, I, I can't say for sure you know, what, what the long-term future for me looks like. I, I'm young. I love working with the kids. I feel young. Uh, I have a ton of energy and passion for what I'm doing. Uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, I'm 51 years old, so I think I'm in kind of in my prime in terms of uh, my coaching years and I've dealt with the transfer portal a couple of years now and NIL so I, I have an understanding of it more so than it was all first you know playing out so I think I'm positioned well to handle all the things that are being thrown at coaches in, in this new world of college basketball. 
Listen, I like Bobby. I mean, if you decide to keep him and I'm not against it, I think you have to have that discussion. Like is, can you do better than Bobby Hurley? That's the question. And the answer might be no. The answer might be no. You can't. Bobby Hurley is still a big name. Yep. He's still a guy that, you know, that, that people want to play for. It's just, it's hard to have success here. It's just for whatever reason, it's hard to have success at Arizona State University. Uh, now you're dealing with a, you know, one of the major powers in college basketball right down the block from you. It's never helped. It doesn't help. It's never helped. It doesn't help that U of A is one of the true blue bloods in college basketball and you've got to compete against them. And so it's very, very difficult. But I think, look, I think Bobby's done a decent job. It's just, has he done a great job? No. Has he done a terrible job? No. He's done a decent job. They've made the NCAA tournaments a couple times and they probably would have made it the pandemic year. So, I mean, you, you probably, I, I mean, I would think that you, Keep him on, but I think you have to have that discussion whether it's worth keeping him or not. I think you have to, to your point, you have to ask the question, can we do better? And the answer might very well be no, you can't. I, I had a long conversation with a friend of mine who's a, who's a big ASU basketball fan. He really is an ASU fan, but he really focuses a lot on the basketball. And even he was sort of, I just don't know if we can do better. I mean, it, it, I think we should try. We should always try to do better, but I don't know if we're going to be able to do better than Bobby and maybe give him another year or two to see how he feels further, you know, has his grip on the transfer portal and if he understands it a little bit and if he kind of makes some of the strides that he made earlier this year when the team got off to that good start. I, I you always have to try to do better. I've I've always suspected that ASU basketball can't. I've always suspected that this is about as good as ASU basketball can do. I'm telling you, part of that basis. is that in your own state is one of the best sure. basketball programs in the country. And along those lines, um, over the weekend, not only did they beat um, Colorado on Saturday, the selection committee unveiled their top 16 teams up until this point. Yes, as expected, U of A was a two seed, um, and this is the legit selection committee. This is like if the season ended today, this is how we would do the season. Yeah, they gave you they gave AS, uh, U of A a high nod than UCLA. Yes, they gave they gave Arizona the sixth overall seed. That's a number two seed. They kept them west and they moved UCLA out east. That's the big deal between the two of them. They're that probably going to both be two seeds. Which one stays out west? Which one gets well, moved? Well, they're going to play each other, question. so maybe one could get knocked down to a three. Yeah, Because they are going to play. If a U of A wins that, then they're, they could jump to a number one seed. But if they lose it, they could either stay at two or go to a three. And then over the weekend, too, Dennis Dodd, we had him on the show about a week and a half ago. Will the Pac-12 break up where each team would go if the league disintegrates over its media rights deal? He's suggesting that the four 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 corner schools Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State would end up with the Big 12, which is what a lot of people expect could happen if the Pac-12 does indeed break up. He says that the Pac-12 is in a tough spot for a media rights deal. One, the league discovered it may owe a media partner $50 million. Two, Disney, parent company of ESPN, announced it's laying off 7,000 employees in restructuring. Three, Amazon recently laid off 6% of its workforce. That's 18,000 people. And uh, Alphabet, parent company of Google, just cut 12,000 jobs. So good luck trying to get a big deal for your media rights. I don't know if it's going to be a big deal, but I'll tell you, the New York Post is reporting within the last 30 minutes or so that Apple TV Plus is emerging as a potential landing spot for the Pac-12 college football rights. Who has that? Uh, I do. I have Apple TV, but how many people have Apple TV? I don't know. I mean, how many people have... You got to pay for it. Yeah, you do. I mean... Yeah, you have to pay for it, but Amazon Prime, same thing. You know, any of those streaming services, yeah, you have to pay for it. It, it. 
you, you of course you're not going to want Apple TV Plus to be the only way your games no, are no, run. No, 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 no. Yeah, it no. would just be a part of a bigger package. But if you can cobble the money you get from that with the money that you would get from a traditional network partner, could you satisfy the promises that you made to your? The question is, where's everybody going to go? I, I mean, look, we all know what this is about, right? This is about Oregon and Washington. If Oregon and Washington leave, the Pac-12 it's is over. host. It's, it's, over. it's over. But if. If the Big Ten doesn't want Oregon and Washington anymore, it seems like the Pac-12, as we know, it is safe for at least the next five to seven years. Because it feels like Kevin Warren, who was the commissioner of the Big Ten, he was the one driving that whole Oregon-Washington thing, and now he's the president of the Chicago Bears. So if there's no push anymore from the Big Ten to steal Oregon and Washington, I'm not saying you're out of the woods permanently, but I think you're out of the woods for at least the next half decade to seven years until somebody comes knocking on your door again potentially and then there's the thought that if you're Oregon and Washington come in that they might have to take less yes of a deal than what the other teams in the conference are getting you want to come be a part of this okay you know uh, you'll take less we're not going to give you what we're giving everybody else we're not giving you a full share we're going to give you a partial what but partial share well partial why would share I want to could come be a lot that? more than what you get in the back 12 and that might be the reason why they would want to do it absolutely do you want to remind you the just announced guns and Roses Tour. Headed to Chase Field on October 11th. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair now by texting ROSES to 62620. That's ROSES to 620620. We give out so many cool prizes. Well, we really do. Welcome to the jungle, GNR fans. Diamondbacks are willing to spend on the team now and reportedly their future as well. We'll get you caught up to speed on everything going on in sports next on the Burns and Gambo Show.